What is up, Neo Gotham? Benjamin David here, your co-host here on the show. If you're wondering why it's not the voice of Batman greeting you like we usually have, it's because I cannot wait to tell you how good it feels to be back in audio. I promised to let Mr. Kevin Conroy take back the show in just a sec, but I just wanted to explain real quick where the hell we've been for the past six months. You'll hear about it on our show's intro, and I'm probably going to roll the trailer later on in the episode, but the answer is YouTube. Above and Batman Beyond has delved deep into the discipline of YouTubing, with new videos every Sunday and Wednesday. We've been doing frequent breakdowns of Batman Beyond episodes, and we also have our DC Animated Movie Show on the channel as well. That's a video series and upcoming podcast for the prestigious ongoing catalog of DC Animated Movies. So please consider subscribing to the YouTube channel so you don't miss any of our new vid content as well as our podcast. And just like the podcast you're listening to now, we are above and Batman Beyond on YouTube. All right, Batman, take it away. Hey, this is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman, telling you to go above and Batman Beyond. Hey, this is Blade Summers telling you to go above and Batman Beyond. This is Bernard Chang. Dan Jurgens. This is Yoko McCann from Funko. This is Zach from Diamond Select Toys. This is Angelo cosplaying as Negan. My name is Kevin, a Beyond fan, and I'm telling you to go above and Batman Beyond. (laughs) (laughs) Three quarters of that movie, solid. As far as Mr. Freeze goes, nice to meet you. A live welcome from above and Batman Beyond. I am your co-host, Benjamin David. Uh, It's good to be back live. Super pumped to be doing this. If you guys have any ideas for uh, future live episodes, please let us know. Uh, We are at Batman Beyond Media on Instagram. You guys know where to hit us up. Uh, But today we are here for part two of our Centuries of the Last Cosmos Breakdown uh, breakdown Beyond, uh, the ridiculous but fun Star Wars tribute episode of Batman Beyond. Uh, part 1 was recently posted here on our YouTube channel, Above and Batman Beyond. If you haven't seen Part 1, be sure to subscribe, go back, check that episode out. We did our Mandalorian v. Batsuit Beyond comparison. A lot of fun uh, matching those guys up. Again, tons of fun talking Mandalorian then. And today, we are here to do the same. Uh, but this time, for the Season 2 finale specifically, The Return of Luke. Uh, the return of the return of the Jedi. <laughs> uh, so we asked you guys on Instagram, again, at Batman Beyond Media, uh, what you thought of Luke's return. So we'll definitely get to that soon. Uh, but first, we finish our breakdown beyond of centuries. Going deeper this time into the episode itself. Again, remember last time we did our Mandalorian v. Batsuit Beyond comparison. This time we're going deeper into the uh, episode itself. Uh, pointing out all the Star Wars homages along the way. So we're going to list the Star Wars stuff that, they, you know, that they're clearly attributing. And, um, yeah, it's going to be awesome. We're also going to list some of the uh, non-Star Wars sci-fi references, too. Because uh, there's a bunch of stuff. Philip K. Dick and other uh, sci-fi references besides Star Wars. So, get ready for that. And then, finally, once again, we have our return of the Return of the Jedi uh, Q&A from you guys on Instagram. Again, please follow us at Batman Beyond Media uh, and join in on the Q&A. Uh, so, this was originally going to be, uh, like, a normal edited video like I've had on here. Kind of like part one of our breakdown beyond of the centuries breakdown but i decided to go live i know going live is really good uh we haven't gone live since our youtube launch if you were there for us uh if you're there with us at that time thank you so much and if you're there with us today this time thank you again 
Um, so I'm going to kind of go through my script of the breakdown. I haven't uh, really done this before, but I think it's going to be cool. So um, let's go through once again the breakdown of Centuries of the Last Cosmos, and then we're going to get to your Return of Luke Q&A. Return of the podcast, Eli? Return of the Joker. The movie? The commentary. The Blu-ray commentary? Our commentary. We're doing a commentary for Return of the Joker? We're doing a commentary for Return of the Joker. So yeah, the podcast has returned. Like the Joker. And to celebrate 20 years since the film's release, we come back strong with a commentary on the classic animated film. So starting with the commentary available this Christmas, you guys can expect weekly episodes of the podcast, including even more commentaries of Batman Beyond, updates in DC Entertainment, and brand new to the show, you'll also be able to hear audio versions of your favorite videos right here in the YouTube channel above and Batman Beyond. So be sure to subscribe to the podcast for return of the audio. Just like the YouTube channel, we are Above and Batman Beyond on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. So this has been Benjamin. And this has been Eli. Telling you to go above. And happy holidays beyond. So let's jump right into the cosmos of today's breakdown. Alright, so Centuries of the Last Cosmos is from Season 2, Episode 23 of Batman Beyond. Original air date, May 6th, 2000. Again, with the return of Luke Skywalker and the Mandalorian, we knew we had to conclude our Sentry's breakdown ASAP. So first we're going to hit the story of the episode while listing the most blatant of Star Wars homages. Then we're going to touch on some of the non-Star Wars sci-fi references in the episode. And then finally, um, the beyond of it all. So how well are future Batman works in a Star Wars setting? Which we did go over a lot in the Mandalorian v. Batsuit Beyond episode. Um... So, let's break down the story of Sentries while also running through our list of nods to Star Wars. So, think of a mega franchise as big and popular as Star Wars, but it's a vid game. Uh, that's Sentries of the Last Cosmos, so instead of a movie, it's a video game in this episode. It's the name of the game, obsessed over by Corey, Terry and Max's teen protagonist, Friend of the Week. Uh, the episode opens with a POV of a player inside the video game, with these three characters battling evildoers inside this virtual experience. This action sequence sets the stage for how deeply Star Wars this episode is. Uh, pulling right off the bat, we have John Williams' character, or sorry, John Williams' tribute score instead of the industrial metal we used to from beyond. I mean, that's kind of one of the most striking things, is that immediately it's this like classical score as opposed to the uh, industrial metal. Uh, also, the sound effects very, you know, much like the blasters in Star Wars and stuff like that. Um, you know, and the sci-fi action is just like you're watching a Star Wars cartoon. And who saw this coming? But even after they leave the game, the stage is also set for the real-life threat of a fire sword-wielding sentries uh, for one of the fire sword-wielding sentries flying around Neo-Gotham. So, of course, it's going outside the game. In fact, uh, we see our three players being spied on by a real-life sentry, like I said, uh, right there at the arcade. And it's good to know that arcades somehow survived the mid-21st century. <laughs> Which I just had to note because, like, I mean, I guess with VR crazy games like that, the way the Sentries game is, maybe VR will come back. I don't know, man. Uh, but we'll see. While patrolling Neo-Gotham that night, Terry investigates a break-in at the Hall of Records. where Which is another thing. Like, are there going to be Halls of Records? Are there going to be uh, basically libraries at that point? where Batman soon battles his first uh, real-life sentry. Next day at school, we see Corey and Max in the computer lab at school on giant computers. I love the size of the computers that they own. Uh, where Corey receives an email from Simon Harper, the great wise one himself. 
Quote, he's like a god, Corey says. So Simon Harper, George Lucas. Again, we're going to compare Star Wars throughout this or point out the obvious comparisons. Uh, mysteriously, Harper invites Corey via email to Sentrycroft, which is essentially Lucas Ranch. <laughs> Max tells Terry about uh, Corey's sketchy invite to Lucas Ranch, so the two immediately make the connection between the invite and the break-in. Bringing Terry and, sorry, bringing Terry to his famous line is Jar Jar Lane. <laughs> like, what do you think? Of course there's a connection. Is Jar Jar Lane. That is, when I heard that, I, uh, and we'll get to that in the Q&A for a second. Shout out to our co-host here, Eli Benson, uh, at Batman underscore beyond underscore fan page on Instagram. And he <laughs> said that's his favorite part of the episode when Terry says, is Jar Jar Lane? Like, obviously, there's a connection. Um, so, and in the true spirit of Batman, Terry does some breaking in of his own. You know, Batman has to break in somewhere in every episode or story. He drops into Harper's culty nerd compound at Sentrycroft and assures Harper that he's onto him for the Hall of Records break it. When Terry leaves, Harper reveals to his sorry, when Terry leaves, Harper reveals to his teenage Sentry cult followers that the game is really a real-world simulation, uh, a really a war simulation for Harper to recruit real-life sentries. Sorry, that was a hard sentence to say. <laughs> uh, he assigns his soldiers a new target, Eldon Michaels who's been claiming it's not Harper who created sentries, but rather him. Um, Harper, of course, equates Michaels to be their new dark regent, essentially, in Star Wars terms, a Sith Lord corrupted by the dark side. Dark regent, dark side. Uh, the sentries capture Michael and throw him at the feet of the Emperor looking Simon Harper. So now he looks like the Emperor at this point. Sends the sentries out, throws him at his feet as if he's, you know, sitting on the throne of the second Death Star at the end of Jedi. <laughs> uh... And aside from the more obvious nod to the hooded Emperor Palpatine, uh, Harper also resembles the same Jedi Luke we also saw in Mandalorian, all in black, forever tempted by the dark side like his father. Uh, I like how Luke, and again, we're going to get to the return of Luke today, uh, he's rocking the black. My, I said on Instagram, my favorite you know, part of all that is Star Wars is the end of, I mean, now with Mandalorian, it's a little different, I guess, but the end of Jedi, you know? Luke dressed all in black, uh, fighting his father against evil. And then it's sick that, you know, when he comes, that, that whole movie he's wearing, the all black, and it really shows. It's the temptation of the dark side and how he's always going to kind of have that Vader in him. I absolutely love that. Uh, and then the final showdown between Batman and Harper, or Luke and the Emperor, Batman exposes Harper's secret of Michael's lawsuit for stealing sentries. Turns out Harper would rather kill Michaels and take all the credit for creating sentries than just giving the guy 20% of profits and created by credit. So if he just said, you know, here's the credit for you doing the created by and 20%, none of this drama would happen. None of this real life Star Wars would have happened. Um, again, in a very Emperor V. Luke way, Harper zaps Terry a bunch of times with huge bolts of electricity when Terry tries to defend him, uh, but is ultimately defeated by Batman. Upon defeat, his suit gets exposed to show the classic beyond futuristic circuits, these green circuits, just like Terry's suit when it gets exposed. I love those Jack Kirby circuits. Uh, powering the villain's suit, enabling the huge charges of electricity, because it's kind of like, this guy's obviously not using the force. This, is a, this isn't sci-fi fantasy, people. This is actual science fiction. Let's be real about an emperor zapping people. So it's cool. that I like that that was like a sci-fi visual explanation without even really going into it. All right, so let's briefly shift gears for a few of the non-Star Wars. Sorry, this chair is uh, creaky. 
Uh, so let's briefly shift gears to one uh, to a few of the non-Star Wars sci-fi references, and then we'll wrap up with the beyond of it all. And then again, we'll get to your Q&A. So one of the fun sci-fi references I noticed was, I'm going to have to just sit up. Uh, one of the fun sci-fi references I noticed was uh, when one of the robots kept repeating in centuries, danger, danger. That is most certainly a nod to the cheesy robot of the 60s sci-fi show Lost in Space. Danger, danger, Will Robinson. Uh, it also looked a lot like Robbie the Robot from um, Forbidden Planet, 1956. One of the best sci-fi movies ever. Still holds up. I mean, it's a little slow, I guess, but it's amazing. Really good. Um, really early, yet high-budget sci-fi. So, like, big, you know, background matte paintings and just amazing stuff that they did to, to make that planet come alive. And then Robbie the Robot was pretty uh, revolutionary, too, for its time. Um, so, and an explicit sci-fi reference was to the infamous writer Philip K. Dick when Terry asked him about the ancient typewriter that he has, which we'll get to in one of the, uh, the Q&A. One of you guys said that was your favorite part of the episode when Terry has no idea what a typewriter is. He's like, what is that, a word processor, an old word processor? Uh, which for kids now, that just means computers when they first came out were uh, basically, you know, typewriters with screens and they called them word processors. And Microsoft Word is technically a word processor. Uh, so, and an explicit sci-fi reference was to the infamous writer Philip K. Dick when Terry asked him about the ancient typewriter he has. Uh, and he goes, it was Philip K. Dick's, the greatest writer that ever lived, something, uh, something like that. So Philip K. Dick wrote, you know, such sci-fi mega classics as Man in the High Castle, if you've seen that show on Amazon. Uh, he wrote, also wrote, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, which is really interesting beyond-wise, and, and you could see why they definitely uh, dropped his name there. And it's because um, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep is later the inspiration for Blade Runner, which, full circle for us, once again for Beyond, directly inspired Batman Beyond. So it's cool that Eldon Michaels, the guy who created this show, and, you know, you're doing all these sci-fi references anyway uh it's a way of you know giving a nod to blade runner without saying blade runner or star wars for that matter um <clears throat> excuse me the other glaring sci-fi influence is the 80s film the last starfighter uh later to inspire the more recent armada by ready player one author ernest klein so in the movie the last starfighter uh it's a video game also used to recruit real life soldiers for space battle so yeah there's a ton of sci-fi in there a lot of fun Finally, the beyond of it all, and then we're going to get to your return of Skywalker Q&A. The beyond of it all, the seamless blending of a futurized Batman in the universe of Star Wars. So this will be brief since most of the details were covered in part one of our breakdown. So if you haven't seen part one, once again, uh, please go back. It's Mando v Mandalorian versus Batsuit Beyond right here on the channel. It's in the Breakdown Beyond playlist on above and Batman Beyond. What inspired that breakdown was how well a future soldier like Terry McGinnis blends in with the space age sci-fi, you know, adventure of Star Wars. When Mandalorian came back, I'm watching these, you know, Mandalorians, especially in the episode when there was the reveal of Bo-Katan and all these other people from Mandalore, it's like, oh wow, uh, they're a lot like Terry. I mean, so I did that Batsuit comparison video. That was a ton of fun. Uh, we noted, for example, Terry's rocket boots and wings giving him flight ability, much like our boy Mando and his jetpack. A perfect visual example of worlds colliding uh, is when Terry and the sentries are flying around and chasing each other in that planetarium-looking galaxy dome. 
since Terry's suit features so many of the similarities to Boba Fett and other Mandalorians, like I was just saying, uh, it's no surprise that he looks cool up against these Star Wars-looking posers from centuries. So, you know, I mean, this that room is really cool. It was planetarium, like I said, so it looked like a galaxy of stars, uh, planets, all kinds of cool stuff. And Terry McGinnis just fits right into a cool sci-fi story, so I really enjoyed that. Um, and it's fun to think that a mashup that will never happen in history would be Terry McGinnis entering Star Wars. Uh, so that was The Breakdown Beyond live. <laughs> Hope that went pretty well. Um, you know, that was my first time doing this kind of thing. I had gone live before once again for our launch, but it was the first time kind of doing a breakdown. So let me uh, know how you guys liked it. Obviously, I fumbled a little bit in the beginning, but uh, it is live. This is a little more challenging, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, and I also like the fact that it's good for the channel. People love the live interaction and uh, it's way less editing and sub content creators. So now, once again, guys, we are gonna get to your Q&A on Instagram at Batman Beyond Media. Hey, this is Kevin Conroy. The voice of Batman. Hi, I'm Benjamin David. Welcome to the DC Animated Movie Show a podcast and YouTube series for the prestigious, ongoing catalog of DC Animated Movies. I'm a filmmaker, journalist, and podcaster, and I've been covering DC Animation for years now. Hey, this is Kevin Conroy. Interviewing creators, voice actors, and superfans on my other podcast and YouTube channel, Above and Batman Beyond. I'm going to give you Andrea Romano. Hi. So on this podcast, you can expect weekly episodes of DC Animated News, reviews, commentary tracks, Instagram Q&A, and our 10-minute or less audio-video bite series from our YouTube channel. Once again, that's Above and Batman Beyond. Most episodes will be hosted solo by me, Benjamin David, but for commentary tracks and interviews soon to come, I'll be joined by various creators and superfans, once again, from DC Animation. New episodes of the podcast drop every Monday, so be sure to subscribe to the podcast for a big holiday premiere. You can find the DC Animated Movie Show on Apple, Spotify, the Anchor app, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Instagram to join in on the Q&A. Just like the podcast, we are at DC Animated Movie Show, and we'll also be dropping bonus episodes pretty soon, going behind the scenes of our YouTube channel, as well as our past DC Animated coverage from New York Comic Con. So this has been Benjamin David, and remember, animated we stand. So... We're going to start off with some polls and Q's and A's. Uh, or sorry, we'll start off with a poll and then we'll get to the Q&A. The poll is also from our Instagram. Uh, are you a fan of the Batman Beyond episode? Sorry, I lost it. Are you a fan of the Batman Beyond episode, Centuries of the Last Cosmos? So 86% said yes, 14% no. So that's cool. Um, you know, some of these episodes are divisive. I know that, especially with something that is so deeply entrenched it is a sci-fi tribute or sorry it's a star wars tribute episode it's not just an homage it's a tribute straight up so uh, this is a cover of star wars essentially so you know that could have gone bad and a lot of our fans are star wars i remember i did a poll most of you guys versus star wars versus marvel more of you guys were excited for the disney plus announcements for star wars I'm going to say, extrapolate from that, that that means probably more of you guys are Star Wars fans than Marvel fans in general. Uh, maybe not, but, you know. So that's cool that you guys felt like it probably honored it and you liked this episode. Another poll. Do you guys, uh, do you enjoy this episode being a Star Wars tribute? 
So this is kind of probably more, again, for the direct Star Wars fan. Do you guys enjoy that they did this pretty much at all? Uh, that it is a Star Wars tribute? 100% said yes. You know, it could have gone differently. So that's interesting to see. Now let's get to uh, Q&A. So I asked, again, at Batman Beyond Media, uh, what's your favorite part of this episode, Centuries of the Last Cosmos? So this is from uh, Woodlawn15. Whoa. Had no idea of GOT in 2000, as in Game of Thrones, but Elden is definitely George R.R. R. Martin. <laughs> that is funny. I don't know if he's saying that's your favorite part of the episode, but that is a funny observation uh, about this episode. He does kind of resemble Martin. Uh, big fat guy with... <laughs> Uh, red hair in this case uh, at Batman underscore beyond underscore fan page again that is our uh, co-host here in the channel Eli Benson my good friend uh, is Jar Jar lame <laughs> agree that's I think probably my favorite part of the episode uh, incredible uh, at the infamous nerd Terry not knowing what a typewriter is <laughs> like I said uh, we were gonna get to that in the Q&A I mentioned before uh, when with the Philip K Dick thing oh and I yeah, I think I did say before, it, you know, the typewriter he has was Philip K. Dick's typewriter. He was a 1960s writer, so, excuse me, of course, back then, pre-computers, they were using typewriters. Uh, so Terry not even knowing what that is, I agree, that was great. Uh, another question, at Batman Beyond Media, uh, what is your least favorite part of this episode? So, like many, uh, like many Beyond episodes, too many explosions in the ending. So that's pretty funny you said that, because... That's also a Batman problem, if that, if you consider it that. Uh, I saw in a commentary the, I believe it was Splicers, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, they pulled a an explosion from Batman the Adventures, or sorry, New Batman Adventures. And they're just like, yeah, when in doubt, just do it. Like, everyone agreed in the commentary, all the creators. I think it was Glenn Murakami who pointed out. He's like, did we pull that from Batman? They're like, dude, we end all these episodes with explosions. So the creators are very honest about that. I think that's pretty adorable if you go back and watch those commentaries. Uh, and then, again, what is your least favorite part? And then I have uh, Animated Bat Toys said uh, this part, which it's uh, based on the picture. So for those, uh, you know, you're not seeing this either on YouTube or obviously on the, on the podcast, but it's the part where Terry's like hanging upside down and flying uh, throughout Elden Michael's room when the sentries come to attack. When it's first revealed to Terry from Elden Michaels about, you know, uh, his side of the story of him being ripped off on the story of centuries, he created it and he's not given any credit, uh, you know, then the centuries break in and start attacking. And it's that attack scene apparently is this is animated Bat Toys least favorite part uh, of the episode. So let's go back to another poll. Uh, did you enjoy the return of Luke? In the Mando season two finale wasn't something I was sure people would 100% like you know people are precious about these characters and once again we've established in, in previous polls most of you guys are Star Wars fans at least versus Marvel so that means a good amount of you are um, you know did you enjoy the return 100% of you guys liked it so I thought this was pretty cool I loved it I absolutely loved it I mean all right, so we'll get, uh, I was about to expound on that, but I'll get to it in the next poll. Were you a fan of the Death Troopers? 95% said yes, 5% said no. Um, 
I think I'm, if I was to like pull myself, 95% I do like it, 5% no. Just because I, so the thing with, my thing with the Death Troopers, and I'm not saying like, oh, you should have thought of this and your answer is wrong if you said yes. I just, this is something that I thought about that, um, let me know what you guys think, uh, either here on the chat or uh, Instagram. Like, they said that they were clones, the Dark Troopers, but they eventually, like, basically kept replacing them with robotic parts until there was no human left. And then there were just these, like, super intelligent, crazy powerful androids. Uh, does that mean... Oh, sorry, so I, I think it would have been more badass if Luke, like, had to actually kill people. The way that, you know, when those four women are storming the bridge at the end of this episode... They are killing human stormtroopers. They are. I mean, stormtroopers are not. I, I just think, but I, then again, stormtroopers are not as tough, right? So you need the tough component. I don't know. I just think there would have been, if it was some other kind of more sentient version of a badass opponent and a bunch of them that Luke could attack, I think that just would have been more badass. Even the death, why not do the death troopers? from they're also in black from the end of a or from rogue one throughout rogue one those guys were not like you know shitty uh shots like they are when they when they were white those are like the first stormtroopers we ever saw who could actually hit something i think it would have been more badass seeing him do that because it would have shown like some anger um then again the power level so i might be talking myself in circles but and seeing him crush that thing with the like a coke can though oh Maybe if it was some dark troopers, some death troopers, that would have been sick. But I think the one thing that could have just made it better, and that, that is one of our questions. Um, why don't we get to that now? Actually, we'll get to it when we get to it. Let's stick with polls. Uh, were you surprised Luke returned? And this is what I, I wanted to hold off on saying, because I was about to just you know, go off on a tangent and get to this. But were you surprised Luke returned, or did you expect it slash predict it? Uh, some people swore that like, it's gotta be Luke, you know, and they said that for several reasons. I think a lot of it was hope. I think a lot of though people knew they know the canon, you know, they know that there's almost nobody left in terms of Jedi. <laughs> this isn't the high, uh, you know, the old Republic, let alone the high Republic when there's a bunch of Jedi running around. Um, this is, there's almost none of them left. And I love this era of Star Wars because it it truly shows the power of the Jedi. Because if everyone in the room is powerful, it kind of like diminishes the power of someone, right? Versus if you have a super high power level versus super low power level, it shows like, oh shit, a Jedi's here? Like, I love that that's like the, the reaction that they had. It was just so perfect because there's no one left. Based on that, a lot of people were like, it's gotta be Luke. Uh, but even among that group, and this is where I fell the whole time, just like, there's no way they're gonna bring back Luke. Like. They just, this is a show and, and everything with Last Jedi, just meaning, you know, I, I just didn't think they were going to touch Luke Skywalker. And then, you know, this is something that I thought independently of Kevin Smith, but he put it perfectly. He's like, then you remembered that it was John Favreau. And that's what it hit me, you know, before even watching Fat Man Beyond was just like, oh yeah, no, I'm sorry. This is John Favreau. Like, this is the guy who, as Smith puts it, like brought back. Jungle Book, like uh, he made the Lion King shot for shot in animated live action, whatever the hell that was. 
So he'll do it. And he did it. And that, I think, was the biggest trick that he pulled on everyone. Because, again, even among those who know the canon and, like, there's nobody left, I think they still doubted it. Because it, it was what my reservation... I was certain. It was like, there's no way they're doing Luke. There's no way Luke's coming back. And Luke came back. So I think it's, this is a really interesting poll. Um, oh, sorry, I didn't even give you your numbers here. 67, 67% said they were surprised. 33% said you expected it slash predicted it. Um, I like that split. Like, And I like that more of you were surprised. First of all, it makes me feel better and I'm less selfish or, you know, on the selfish side of things. Uh, it makes me feel better about what I thought. But it also, I think, is cool that, um, uh, you know, more of you were surprised. So it, it clearly the trick for the most part worked, at least among our audience. Um, but I do like that, once again, there is, was always a chance that Luke Skywalker could come back and we're in such a neat space. Like there's no lose in this poll here. <laughs> if you expected, if we're in a space of television and entertainment where you can expect Luke Skywalker to come back, uh, I mean, come on. All right, so uh, a couple more Q's and A's and polls and then we are out of here. Um, so what would you have changed or added to this scene with Luke? I already said what I would have changed or added when Luke comes back uh, at the end of Mando season two. Um, so I asked you guys, what would you have changed? Once again, I just would have wanted a little more like, uh, I just would have wanted to see kind of the dark side of Luke a little more, show a little more Vader, show a little more ruthlessness. And I think that would have been better presented if he killed actual people or sentient aliens, whatever. Um, so, official Carlos Garrido, what would you change about the return of Luke Skywalker? Um, <coughs> excuse the noise of the neighbors. I <laughs> can't control that. Uh, replace that actor with Sebastian Stan. <laughs> so these Sebastian Stan, uh, you know, digital composites of Luke Skywalker are amazing. I mean, they do side-by-sides. They do uh, just in the picture, and you can't believe it's, it, it is Sebastian Stan, or it is Luke Skywalker. Um, I, you know, I didn't mind the Mark Hamill thing. I just think that the deep fake thing could have been a lot better. I see better deep fakes on Instagram all the time. I am not like sweating over it. It still had the same effect. I think it would have if it was well done. I just am a little disappointed in that. If I'm going to nitpick, um, it wasn't like the lips just weren't the mouth flaps. <clears throat> it just seemed like three years so it was the problem with rogue one rogue one was 2016 though like you had four years to figure out and again if deep fakes are all over instagram they could have figured that out uh woodlawn 15 should have stopped a blaster beam like kylo ren mid-air yes what a good idea right so this is the stuff that i've loved about mandalorian i talked with my good friend he used to write for marvel uh, my friend pete and he is knows more about star wars than probably dave filoni and George Lucas. Like, it's crazy how much this guy, he's a 501st trooper. <clears throat> he does a Kylo Ren cosplay, all kinds of stuff for Star Wars. Um, he and I were talking about how it ties up, <coughs> one of the coolest things about Mandalorian is how it ties up loose ends. Uh, but it also, what I think is great is that it like takes the best of all the different stuff and ties together the loose ends though in a way of like, once again, taking what's good about stuff that maybe you didn't like. For the most part, sorry, I got like a feather in my throat here. Um, for the most part, I wasn't a big fan of the sequel movies. 
Also, a lot of people weren't. They were very divisive, and a lot of people were not fans. Um, so, but this was cool because, like, you know, you have stuff with him training Grogu, which we'll get to in one of the Q's and A's, but you don't know that until, for sure, until seeing, you know, uh, you know, Last Jedi, that he started this academy and did all this stuff. And maybe, maybe from the books, if you know those, but we didn't know for sure what they were going to do in these movies. Then you knew. Now you have this in-between period where you can explore that. And it's like, oh, now he's recruiting students for that academy in these movies I didn't like, but now I like it. <laughs> so again, we're going to get to one of the specifics of that. But back to what Woodlawn 15 said, if you take the stuff, the cool stuff from Force Awakens, the cool stuff from the new trilogy, uh, the new sequels, yeah. Like, Kylo Ren stopping blasters midair, stuff that we've never seen in Star Wars movies. Bringing that back, like, just retcon all that cool shit. The, the force Skyping thing that he does, <clears throat> unbelievable. When him and Rey have that connection, I really, I really enjoyed that. Um, not overdo it, but I like that it exists. It would have been longer. <laughs> this is from I, Noah, underscore Young on Instagram. Uh, I would have made it longer. Yeah, I mean, sure. If, yeah, if you gave us like 10 more minutes of that, if he was a little more instrumental uh, in breaking them out, then again, you don't want to overdo it. You don't want too much dialogue, probably too. Unless, of course, you do the Sebastian Stan recast. You know, at some point, as a lot everyone's saying, they're going to have to recast Luke Skywalker. And you're not going to have Hamill forever. And based on this de-aging thing, at least this time around, they didn't do a great job. I don't think they would do entire episodes. But Sebastian Stan, you could do entire episode. Um... I like that they didn't, though. I think for this, it's probably the length of it was good. Uh, but I agree. I, I would have wanted more. I'll tell you that. <laughs> could watch that all day. Uh, animated, underscore bad, underscore toys, nothing. Wouldn't have changed a thing about that scene. I love that. So here's another question. How do you feel about Luke training Grogu? So this is a controversial thing, right? Because Ahsoka says, I can't train him because he's conflicted because of his connection with you. Then she directly references, like, I know what can happen <laughs> uh, to Anakin Skywalker, Darth Vader, when someone has a connection and then they get trained and they shouldn't be trained. It's like, listen to the standard Jedi advice. Don't train someone who has these connections, has all this fear in them, whatever. Luke seems to, uh, you know, I heard a couple people on podcasts say this, like, Luke just seems to continuously ignore advice. <laughs> and that's kind of the Skywalker family story. It's like, everyone told Qui-Gon not to train Anakin. They did anyway. Uh, everyone said not to, you know, like Luke essentially wasn't ready. And Yoda kept, I don't know. It's just all this continuously training people who kind of shouldn't be trained, apparently. Um, I don't know enough about... Un I don't know. I don't want to weigh in on that, but I think that's interesting. Point is, it, it speaks to the controversy of this thing. Like, should he necessarily train Grogu? Of course, you could argue that, yes, Ahsoka said, if you put him on the stone, he'll call out to a Jedi and the Jedi will answer this and that. I still don't really think that changes, though, like, so much the sci-fi morality of it. It might change the sci-fi rules of, like, Ahsoka couldn't train him in that moment. Um, but I think that's either a little unclear or hairy morally and why probably a lot of people are saying like uh, should Grogu be trained um a great thing this is from official Carlos Garrido a great thing you know it could be great Luke turned out to for the most part well not ultimately 
<laughs> he ends up on an island. Miserable, but um, you never know until you know. So it could be great. Uh, amazing. Woodlawn 15. It would be cool to see. <laughs> it would be cool to see those in-between years of Grogu getting trained alongside Ben Solo. It'd be badass. So this is dark. Do you think? It's one of the first things I thought as Luke walked away with his kid. I'm like, wait. Does Grogu survive Ben Solo's attack on the Jedi Academy? Like, let's not forget, Ben Solo blew that place to hell. Um, I asked my friend Pete, and he was just like, I don't know. And that's what's cool about the show. Like, it's tying up loose ends in a way that uh, they're also asking new questions. That, you know, we've always thought about the kids who died there. Like, we thought about the younglings who got uh, slew, I guess I would say. Uh, got slew, got slain, whatever, correct me, um, from the, you know, the prequels where Grogu escaped from, but this kid just can't catch a break school-wise, like, he's had some pretty bad school experiences, except for that adorable school, I think that was on Tatooine, that was adorable, um, for the babysitter of the week, because Mandalorian needs a babysitter of the week, as it does, so do you think Grogu survives? Ben Solo's attack on the Jedi Academy. Comment here on YouTube, also on Instagram, if you haven't already. Uh, we have official Carlos Garrido. I think so. So he thinks he survives. I hope so. <laughs> uh, Woodlawn 15, yes. But, you know, this is what opens stuff up. Like, you could ultimately have some show down the road where it's, you know, Luke looking back on his life or Sebastian Stan while you still have Hamill around or Sebastian Stan. You know, whatever you do, you could have Luke in some capacity say, like, you know, among the lost children was Grogu. And you're just like, what? Um, these are lines, one single lines that you could have anywhere down the road in these entire list of series and movies. That because they did this setup in this cool little cute Mandalorian show that ended up being a fucking, you know, fireworks display of awesomeness. I think that this is the kind of power that, you know, th th this show has and that relationship between Grogu and Mandalorian. Some dopey little big-eyed green puppet, um, Baby Yoda, and just so much cool stuff. Because that, I think, I wasn't a fan of Last Jedi for the most part, but what fascinated me about Last Jedi um, was that Luke almost killed a kid, his own nephew, in his sleep. I'm like damn that's where this movie's going and then the fact that it's like and then i didn't and you're like but what ah it's just everything was almost cool and then just pulled back from being cool it just couldn't commit to what i think it was trying to do or whatever um but i do like that there were elements of it and again that's what i liked about it and it seems to be everything i like it's like they know what i like um about star wars i mean i always wanted to see the grimy weird you know, underbelly crime world of Tatooine. And now we're getting a spin-off show, spoilers, like Book of Boba Fett, are you kidding me? <coughs> I want it to be like Jabba's Palace. Sopranos type graphic, it's not going to be that, but this is what I want to explore that. But then I also want to see more lightsabers. Like, I didn't think it was a lot to expect lightsabers out of the new trilogy. Um, there were lightsaber fights in Rise of Skywalker. There was some in force awakens but like luke skywalker never sparked a lightsaber essentially in the whole trilogy uh, except for that flashback when he's about to kill ben solo <gasps> who doesn't so i don't know it was just like 
they pulled all the cool stuff out though and kept it for this and it's incredible um now this goes back to a little bit to the mando v batsuit beyond video this is to confirm to myself that i'm not crazy <laughs> a little selfish i guess but uh i said did terry's future batman work well with the star wars s characters or did it feel forced um 94 of you guys said that it worked well six percent uh said it felt forced so you know I think it's obvious, but it, it is still cool that Terry McGinnis, once again, could potentially work in like a Star Wars type setting. Badass. Badass. Um, so that is it for our Q&A. Thank you guys once again so much. Uh, I have been your host, Benjamin David. You can find me personally at Benjamin of David on Instagram. Uh, these questions at Batman Beyond Media for the millionth time. You're probably tired of hearing it. Uh, we are above and Batman Beyond. Here on YouTube, the podcast is back. We got the Return of the Joker commentary already dropped. Wonder Woman 1984 spoiler-free reaction uh, is posted as a bonus episode. So we got the next part of Return of the Joker commentary coming, and this whole new phase of the podcast: commentaries, commentaries, commentaries. What's great is that the new pod clips here in the channel are going to be pulled from that. So it's a much more interesting kind of visual <laughs> pod clip to have on a YouTube channel. I think. Um, it's directly about Batman Beyond. So if you have, you know, kind of asked in the past, when are you guys going to cover the series like, you know, full on? We're covering the series full on. And we're going to do it both here on YouTube once again. Uh, but full commentaries on the podcast. And uh, yeah, please subscribe to all that. And once again, our DC Animated Movie Show. Uh, for the prestigious ongoing catalog of DC Animated Movies, that's here on the YouTube channel already. Um, and the podcast is going to drop before new year's next couple days cannot wait for that please subscribe to that we're going to do audio video clips uh kind of like a bite series so the same of your favorite uh videos here on the channel are going to be available via podcast we're going to eventually do uh interviews we're going to do some commentaries too uh, and then q's and a's right here on youtube as well as instagram follow that show as well at dc animated movie show and uh the trailer for that's dropping soon so once again i've been benjamin david telling you to go above and may the force be with you beyond Thank you so much for listening. Amazing to be back in audio. Again, new episodes of Above and Batman Beyond drop every Wednesday. Please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on iTunes. Once again, for each new iTunes review, we'll read your review on the show, and you're automatically entered in our next Beyond giveaway. Again, we spend most of our time on YouTube these days, new videos every Sunday and Wednesday. Please consider subscribing there as well for frequent breakdowns of Batman Beyond, podcast clips, as well as our DC animated movie show right there on the channel. Just like the podcast, we are above and Batman Beyond on YouTube. Our podcast theme music is by Exsanguinator. Our podcast art is by Courtney Delenn Slater over at CDS Graphics. Above and Batman Beyond is part of the CBI network at Comic Book INTL on all social media. Our show's co-hosts are Eli Benson and Benjamin David. The podcast is produced and edited by me, Benjamin David. And Above and Batman Beyond is a production of Benjamin David Studios. Hey, this is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman telling you to go above and Batman Beyond. Above and Batman Beyond is not an official production of Warner Brothers or DC Entertainment. The thoughts and opinions shared by the participants of this podcast are theirs and theirs alone, and therefore do not represent the companies or organizations they happen to work for.